Hello, and welcome back to the MS Twins podcast. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, we will learn about Garrett's story. Like, what he's gone through, what he's found out, things like that. So, yeah, it'll be very enjoyable. Stick around. Hello? Hey, welcome back. (laughs) Hey. It wanted me to uh, fill out a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, what the crap? So, anyway, here I am. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to the MS Twins. Today, we have a treat. Garrett is going (laughs) to inform us on what his journey with MS has been up until this point. All right. So, uh, I guess MS, I found out I had it by our, I found out that I might have it by accident. Um, and, uh, when the doctors, you know, they, put me through MRIs and stuff. They said, oh, it looks like you have something that might, in the capitalized, might be MS, but we don't know what it is. So, uh, I mean, I had a bunch of symptoms. They told me there were a few things that would need to be required for a diagnosis. And uh, I was like, whatever. I just knew I had a lot of trouble on hot days. And um, and that at the time was the big uh, thing for me personally, besides these MRIs that said something's going on. So uh, then I found I was finally diagnosed five years later when I was uh, in my mid-20s. And... um, And so I was diagnosed then. And, uh, well, I've been on a few drugs. Well, I don't know, three or four drugs, I think, since then. I started on Copaxone, and they said, ah, oh, this really isn't doing much. And um, then they put me on Avonex, which was interesting for me, where I'd go to bed at night, and uh, after doing this intermuscular shot, which is the down deep one. And, uh, and then I'd go from, uh, three or four layers of clothing to nothing back to three or four layers, two or three times during the night. And, uh, so that was extreme. But after I did that for a while, I told them it was too much. So they put me on, um, Jelenia. And that one, or Fingolimod, I don't know what you may have heard it as. And uh, that one did give me liver damage. And um, after that, Copaxone again. And, well, it doesn't look like that one's doing anything. So uh, they put me on uh, Fing... Uh, crap, whatever I want. Ah. I'm at a loss. Um, 
Ty Sabri. Well, Ty Sabri, some people say Ty Sabri. I'm not really sure which it is, but uh, the way they always said it to me was Ty Sabri. So I'm like, whatever, I guess I can look it up. Um, anyway, so that's one I was, they put, it, they put me on that about eight or nine years ago, and things have been going really well. So that's kind of uh, what I'm doing now. It just puts me at risk. The Thai salary will put you at risk for PML, which, which is uh, progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy. I got to pat myself on the back because that's a mouthful. <laughs> I got it right. Yeah. And uh, so, um, anyway, that that's something that if you have JC virus, you're at risk for. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it's really a simple name. <laughs> if I get it, maybe I'll pat myself on the back for that too. I don't know. Do you know what it is? No, I, I just, you know, I. No, if you if you have JC virus, it puts you at risk for PML, and that's the one that often leads to death. It's a slow, but you know. At this point, I don't have JC virus. I get tested for it every few months, every three or four months, I think. And uh, here, nine months later, eight or nine months later, I'm I'm in the clear. So pretty excited about that. But uh, since starting that, um, well, since that stage of my MS, I guess, uh, well, I don't work. And some things are a challenge, but I'm also uh, working through that. You know, it's just uh, new problems. Got to find new solutions to what wasn't a problem before. So what makes things work better now? And uh, that I'm sure you've probably experienced the same thing with some stuff, huh? Yeah. And um, so it's just a daily grind, it seems like. And uh, but it's one. It's a daily grind that I constantly see success. You know, maybe it doesn't happen that day. Maybe it takes a week, but I find a success and it makes the next, well, things easier from then on for the most part. And, um, so it's, uh, sometimes it feels like more of a struggle. Sometimes I get down in the dumps and I'm like, crap, I just can't do this. And then I'm like, Garrett, that's kind of a quitter mindset. You need to knock it off. And so I, uh, I usually snap out of it. Sometimes I'll lament for a few days <laughs> and, uh, right. Just being discouraged or whatever, you know, but, uh, things, things always come around. And then, uh, now what I fall back on is Garrett, you've been here before things come around, just keep plugging don't quit. And, uh, that's seemed to work for me mentally. Um, to date, I suppose the, the MS it, it's, um, what I understand it to be is, uh, it's something that continually grows, so to speak. And, uh, but, 
this um, Ty Sabres is uh, greatly reduced the speed at which it grows. And, um, or the problem progresses, however you want to word it, I don't know. But uh, that's the drug that's worked best for me so far. And um, so here I am. I think it's, uh, so like MS to me is, uh, well, I think maybe what it is a bunch of people, but the way I look at it as is probably what's different is I look at it as you've got nerves in your brain, goes to everywhere in your body. And those nerves are covered with, are like extension cords covered with insulation. And um, the insulation is also known as myelin. <laughs> and um, that's the part that your body attacks. So your own body attacks your own myelin. And um, so when the myelin's attacked, you get that thing that Don was talking about. It's called scar tissue. And uh, when it affects the myelin. And um, so that's kind of what your body deals with is uh, insulate uh, extension cords without insulation in a wet lawn. So they short out all the time. And, um, and the goal is to not have that happen. So uh, I think what the the medicine Tysavery does is it um, reduces the speed at which your body is able to attack your myelin and mess up your nerve signals throughout your body. And um, there are things I've run into, but uh, constantly figuring out ways to get past it and work through it and uh, not necessarily get rid of the problems, but um, find ways, different ways of doing things that I don't have to do it the same way I've done for forever. I just find a new way to do it, and it's remarkably easier. And uh, remarkably easy, much more easily accomplished. And uh, so that's kind of exciting. It's uh, what to, to normal people, people without this problem, that would sound dumb. But I imagine that um, other people with MS can identify with exactly what I just said. You know, yeah. it's easier to do this than it is to do that. They both accomplished the same task at the end of the day. I didn't do both 20 years ago, but, uh, you know, that's what I do today. And that's kind of a new stage in my life, I guess. So it's just a sign of uh, me growing with the problem that also grows. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> staying as resistant as I can to problems that have made themselves known. But I think yeah. it's something that, that everyone can do. And uh, different people are going to have different problems, which means different solutions. So what works for me might not work for somebody else and vice versa. But uh I think the the goal is just to keep plugging away, figuring out ways that things will work for you. And uh, if you find out something that works for someone else, then try that out for you because maybe it works for you too. You might like it more. You might like it less. But, uh, you know, it's all part of that journey that uh, that 
I'm on, and I think everyone with MS is on to find out, figure out an easier way to do things that you're now having trouble with. Yeah. Yeah. It's like having MS gives a whole new meaning to you are your own worst enemy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, tell me about it. My own, my, my own me is attacking myself and I have no say over it. Yeah, I think all you can do most of the time is uh, figure out another way around it. So instead of crossing the street, you walk in the grass on the median. But whatever you weigh, you, you go from point A to point B, and uh, you're just changing the way you do it. But yeah. uh, the ultimate goal is to get from point A to point B. And if you have to change the way you do it, then that's what you got to do. Just uh, keep trying and not give up. Yeah. And I, I, I got to give you props for actually saying the name of PML. <laughs> well, I patted, I did, I did. I, I wasn't joking. I actually did pat myself on the back. <laughs> I did it and I laughed, but it's an accomplishment to me for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I asked my doctor one day, how do you actually pronounce PML? It's very long. And he goes, yeah, it is long. You pronounce it PML. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I am no longer going to try to figure out how to say the long word. And I'm just going to say PML because that's what my doctor calls it. Right. Yeah. And, What's that? Oh, some of the medical terms that are associated with having MS, it's like, why? Why? Just why? Like, there's no reason to make the names of we are dealing with extremely complicated and when we're trying to explain it to people, it's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, we have that, that thing. What thing? Oh, no, that, that thing. Like, that one. It's like, can we get a little bit more like expansion on what that thing is, it's like, nope, I, I can't pronounce it. So it's that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's that thing. Or you learn another language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Medical E, it's very, very hard to learn. Yeah, I, maybe that's what uh, the doctor is spending uh 
years in school doing learning that other language <laughs> language known as MS. I'm sure there's another language that they've uh, derived it all from, like Latin or something like that. But I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, it's the MS language. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it it's it's not only a challenge to move around, but the challenge to describe what the hell is going on with our bodies because they make it so complicated. Yeah, it's a it's a challenge. And it's not the same challenge for everyone. Or the MS presents itself differently to everybody that has it. Um like I've had several jobs since evidence of the MS being there. So I, it has affected me different ways, probably like most people, I imagine. But um, I completely changed fields more than once. And, uh, well, whatever. Yeah, just about uh, the story. It seems to be just doing what you can to move forward. And uh, if moving forward means finding a different type of job, then that's what you do. And um, it's it's uh, difficult sometimes, or you can flip it around and look at it from a different point of view. You can say, it's difficult, but I did that difficult thing. I made it work. And uh, it's something you just pat yourself on the back for, I guess. I wasn't patting myself on the back back then. <laughs> but I think it's funny to do now. And uh, so, yeah, I've had completely different jobs in different lines of work, with different descriptions. And, um, yeah, so... That's the, uh, it's all part of the adventure, I guess. Yep. Just ev every day is a new challenge. You, you try to keep your, like, map out your life to, to do to to do life one way and then you wake up and it's like yeah um you got to throw that out you can't do that way anymore. yeah it's new map time yeah so it's it's definitely a challenge yeah but it's one that I and uh, you too, it sounds like, have, have proven that it's something you can do each time a new challenge comes up. Well, you just find a new way to do it. And uh, at the end of the day, you can tell yourself, yeah, you got a challenge. It's not the same as it used to. You're having a hard time with it today. But this type of thing has happened over and over again. And each time you've, you've, uh, achieve that that same goal you just found a new way to achieve it 
but it's not that you can't do it again or you can't continue doing it. You just have to change the way you you're doing it. And, um, it's something you've done over and over. So what's to say that you can't do it again? Exactly. Like I, I, I did the same, same thing as you like with my jobs. I was, when I was first diagnosed, you know, I was in high school. I didn't have a job. And then I got a job. I was working at, at a car dealership. And I was a service porter. That was my, my first job ever. Where I just parked people people's cars. And then I got um, pulled into the parts department where I was the parts truck driver and I delivered parts everywhere. And from there, I'm like, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. So I became a bank teller and I was extremely good at that. Um, Finance, you know, I, I don't exactly now, I don't manage my money best, but if I, I need to manage your money, you're, you're golden. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I actually, when I first got put on disability, I didn't work for like eight 10 years and I something just snapped in my brain and I'm like I cannot do this anymore so I I probably started the wrong type of business for an MS patient I I started a woodworking business so I I would refinish a kitchen and then it it morphed into building subwoofer boxes for people, and I I absolutely loved that. But working outside heat, very bad idea. Right. So. Yeah, I. As far as jobs go, I've. I feel like I've been all over the map. Yeah, I, I think I've. Well, I don't think I've found. I've found that for me, the single biggest problem with being outside, as much as I love it, is humidity. Humidity just knocks the feet out from under me. It's a, it's a showstopper for the most part. So now where I am, where I live now is a a relatively low humidity. It does get hotter, but I'm not affected the same way. It's a, I can stand to be outside in the heat much longer. And um, it affects me 
where it used to be where I was living, the humidity was, was higher, definitely. And, um, probably like five times higher. And, uh, it would, if it affected me one day, then it affected me the next day too. Now heat definitely impacted it, but the underlying thing that was consistent for the, for all the days, whether they were cold or hot is the humidity level. And that posed the biggest threat to my mobility and in thinking and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Humidity was rough. Yeah. High, low humidity. Fine. High heat, high humidity. I'm, I'm not moving. I am plastered to either a chair or a couch or whatever. Right. So that 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 just yeah, humidity really like you said it just knocks the feet out from underneath us. Yeah, I used to love, absolutely love a really hot shower. Really hot. And um, now my showers are lukewarm at most. On the border of lukewarm and, and cold. <laughs> yeah. Mine are... The, it's... Even, like, say, like, 50 or below, like, 50 or, like, 40 out. I'm taking a... I don't even turn the, the hot water on. I just... I just use cold. Because if you use hot water, it builds up the humidity in the bathroom. Right. So, yeah, that's that's kind of like the the key as far as a a climate goes. It's like as long as the humidity is low, I'm good. Yeah. I I took a family trip too. Hawaii? I I wasn't moving. <laughs> what you're saying there's humidity in Hawaii? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, right in the middle of the ocean. Surrounded by nothing but water. That's the way it goes. It's too bad. Yeah, when I was in the Navy, we went to Hawaii, uh, I don't know, I was there three or four times. And I never had a problem, but that was back then. And then, of course, as time went by, uh, you couldn't pay me to go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I will give you $5,000 to go to Hawaii. Nope, I'm good. Yeah, why don't you keep that five grand and go have a good time? 
yeah. It's like you you give me the money, like sure, I'll take the money, but you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the money and I'm gonna stay right here. Sure. Yeah. Yep. An interesting way to look at life. It's just like, hey, you want to go here? I don't know. Is it a dry climate? Yeah, that's kind of what it gets down to, I think. Well, for me, at least. You too, it sounds like. But, uh, Just this last year, I found that um, cold weather is bad, too. Not as bad, but I don't know. My body doesn't hang as well in really cold weather. Yep. I recently found that out. Went on a a trip up into the mountains and it was 23. I walked out the cabin and my body just went. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's like, it's gotta be in that, that nice, you know, 45 to 75 area. Degree right wise. and low humidity. Yes. Yeah. That's that's an MS patient's paradise. Right. I've met some people that don't have any problem with with heat or humidity. <clears throat> of course, they're in that same group of people you wouldn't know have MS until uh, you spent a lot of time with him. (laughs) Me, this person, I never knew. I still, once I found out that they had it, I didn't know. I'm like, man, that's pretty good. But they still had it. Obviously, they figured it out somehow. But um, So there was something going on, but um, not enough for me to notice on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. It's like back back when I was diagnosed 20 years ago, um the neurologist that I had even though I had I had a con- conclusive MRI, he decided that's that's not enough. And get this. He gave me a spinal tap. Yeah, they offered the same to me. It freaked me out, so I didn't do it. Yes, good, good. There's, I later after he, in in the, like we went to a different room. It was just me and my dad, and he couldn't get. He poked me fifteen. Get out of here. No joke. And as he's going for the 16th, 
my dad tells him, you poke my son again, I'm knocking <laughs> you out. What, was he hitting your spine or something? I, I don't know what he was he was doing, but he was. It sounds like you're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> in that sweet spot in between your your vertebrae right. or whatever, I don't really know how a spinal tap yeah. works. So he ended up sending me to the hospital where they use a CT scan. To find out exact, like a CT and an X-ray, to find out where exactly the sweet spot was, they got it in the first first shot. Yeah, like, boom, nice. Done. And but because he poked me so many times, I spent the next two and a half weeks with a spinal headache because I was leaking spinal fluid. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was, I mean, talk about not being able to move. You, you couldn't even talk to me because if your voice was too loud, I was throwing up. Yikes. You, you had to whisper. Yeah, the... Uh, I haven't had that problem because I didn't do the spinal tap, maybe, but uh, the um, Avanex, that was... It was that intermuscular shot, and um, now to this day, when I go uh, for the... Um, uh, fingolimod that I've, I've been on for eight or nine years now. The Tysabri, that stuff. Um, it's just an intermuscular subcutaneous. No, I'm sorry. It's a, it's an IV. So it's, it's right straight into the vein, but you don't have to jam down into the muscle. But even now today, it's, um, I always tell the nurse, I go, I don't want to know when you're doing it just tell me when you're done and that's the way that goes. So now I'm known at the hospital that, uh, don't tell this guy when you're going to stab him, just tell him when it's over. <laughs> so, and that's what I have it called in my phone for my reminders is this, since it's once a month, it's each shot is one month apart and I put a uh, stabbing this arm and I alternate between arms every month. Yeah, yeah, Stabbing. that's what I call it. <laughs> not even, <laughs> not even joke. I literally call it that in my phone. The reminders: stab left arm, stab right arm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, sometimes, um, depending on which nurse I get, I freak them out. Because, A, I get it in my hand. And, B, I stare at them while they're doing it. <laughs> Why do you do that? 
I, I have no idea, but I guess like I look I look down at, at like whatever hand they're putting it in and I look up and apparently the look on my face is like you know what you're doing, right? <laughs> and they're just like just stop looking at me. Just look somewhere Wait, else. How many years have you been doing it? Um, It's been a, a decade. Jeez. So your story sounds like mine where I don't even want them to tell me when they're sticking me. And you uh, have this desire to, to stare at them when they do it. <laughs> not, It's not wow. like anything different going to happen, but... Uh, I don't know. Sounds like you're the same as me where I don't want to know what's happening. I know what's going to happen. I know what I'm there for. But uh, I don't know that me knowing would even change anything. I don't think it would. But I just I think what happens is I pretend it's not happening until it actually does. Which it all it all lasts about 15 seconds. <laughs> so, but whatever it makes the day go by more easily, I guess. Because once it's in there, I'm like, whatever, I don't care. I've already figured out how much I can and can't move. And uh, once it's in there, once the IV's in there, but whatever, I guess. Yeah, and that's that's another reason I like it in my hand. Because it grants me so much mobility. Oh. And, yeah, it's like I can move wherever I want. Like, I've I, I've had my IP in certain parts of my arm. And if I move my arm the wrong way, the IV machine beeps. Huh. Because I'm blocking off the flow and the IV machine freaks yeah. out. Yeah, my my problem with that so, is uh if if I move and put a kink in the line, then the IV machine freaks out. But uh um I would freak out if it went into my hand. That's something that Mentally, I can't deal with. I'm like, no thanks, not doing it. But uh, I would rather it go in my arm. I'm not as mobile as perhaps my hand would be, or I would be if it was in my hand. But um, the idea of it freaks me out. I'm looking at my hand right now. I can see a bunch of veins in the back of my hand, for example. But uh, I also see tendons. And the idea of it just freaks me out. I'm sure that, you know, they know what they're doing. I'm sure they wouldn't mess me up. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, they do this several times a day, every day. And, uh, well, they're professionals at this in particular. But it still freaks me out. So. Yeah. And for those of you who are wondering... When we get the IV, the needle doesn't stay in us. The, the needle retracts 
and it's the tube that's left. So it's not like we're spending an hour with a needle, like in whatever part of our body that we get the infusion. I think the needle. I think the needle does stay in me. However, they do it, but the needle stays in me. But they have a. I don't know what it what it's called, but it's like a a piece of tape that goes in my arm over it all so that it all um, doesn't move until they're ready to take it off. But I think that I have a needle in me the whole time. Oh, yeah. Wow. Learn yeah. something new every day. That's yeah, I don't you know, I don't know. So I'm like, whatever. I mean, I don't know any different. So I don't know what it would like to do it any other way, what it would be like. So uh I just know what to expect. Don't want to know when they're going in. And uh when they're going out, it's not as big a deal. I just uh look away when they're taking it all apart. Or taking it out of me, rather. And, um, yeah. And it's just the going in that bugs me tremendously. But only for about five seconds. The amount of time it takes for them to mount up and get it in, kind of thing. <laughs> mount up. I like. <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing, the one needle or shot or I, like IV or whatever that I get that I'm actually the most uncomfortable with is during my MRI when they add contrast so that they, it, everything just pops better on the image. I don't like that shot. Simply because I can't move my head during the MRI. So I see what is happening. And I don't like it. Yeah, they put me in the MRI. And then they put a thing over my head to keep my head from moving around. But they say also just stay still when you're doing this. And they'll put a bulb in my hand that I squeeze if I have a problem, you know, but I don't, I don't ever squeeze it. Yeah. That's a good thing. And, um, but yeah, what, what they do is the kind of probably you too, they kind of lock you in place so they can do this MRI. And, um, yeah, they put your head in a massive. Right. Stage. Yeah. Hold your head still. Not that big. right yeah but as you're laying there and you're looking up this it looks like a massive cage that they snap on it's just like do you really think my head's gonna move that much I think it's they aren't afraid of your head moving six inches side to side they just don't want it moving period. I think they don't want it moving yeah. an inch. 
so they lock you in place and put this cage thing over your head and uh, hold it still consistently for the next half an hour, hour, whatever it is. Yeah, like, I mean, I've had a couple MRI where if they're doing just my brain, it takes 20 minutes and they're done. But I've had a couple MRIs where my doctor wanted my entire spine, MR, like MRI. Yeah. I was in there for like an hour and 15 minutes. How often do you get MRIs? Uh, every, every 18 months. months. Yes. Oh, I get them. I get them once or twice a year. Yeah. I, I used to get them yeah. every six months, but as my, the progression of my disease and my symptoms are not as bad. My, my doctor has started, like, I went from six months to nine months to a year, and now oh, I'm up cool. to 18 months. Yeah. Not because you get the MRI less, but because the disease is progressing that much less. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So, plus, like all the, all all the other drugs that I'm on, which we can explore in another episode. Um, it's all I've I've been on most of them for over over five years. Huh. And my neurologist just has the mentality of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like what I'm on is working. So he doesn't want to change it. But yeah, yeah, that's. Yep. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Well, that's cool. I guess, yeah, we'll talk more on future episodes of like specifics about things and um, get into more detail. But the big picture, I think, is out there, right? And there are obviously more things to know about me and you, too, I imagine that um, someone else can identify with. And uh, and I've found, I'm hearing, I've heard problems about other things or whatever, you know, that it was just a relief to hear that I'm not the only one with that problem. You know what I mean? I'm not the only one that sees that that way, whatever. So I look forward to sharing um, my understanding and my view on different things, hoping that someone else has the same problem and can relate to it to some degree, you know, that maybe 
talking about this stuff will help someone else out. And cause it, that's what someone else did in an entirely different situation that I found relief knowing about it. So, yeah, hopefully we're able to do uh, the same thing for someone else related to the MS. Yes. Yeah. And the, the, it's kind of funny, but kind of not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with MS, there are so many rabbit holes that we can just right. go into. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a it'll happen problem. over time, probably. It, yeah. Like there's a lot of content, we just have to find it. All right. Okay, that was Garrett's story and what the conversation that spun off from it. Have a good weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you on Monday. All right. And remember, as always, you can hit us up via email at the MS Twins at gmail.com. T H E M S T W I N S at gmail.com have a great weekend you guys and talk to you on monday